Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by one of our newest and favorite sponsors, and that is Photo IQ. Photo IQ offers digital photography online courses like none other of its kind. Okay, it's explained simply, concisely. There's no jargon, no overcomplications, and there are lessons for from beginner to intermediate photographer from ages 13 and up. It's the only digital photography course of its kind that offers online um, quizzes, personal feedback. You get to upload your your homework, and it'll help you build your own portfolio. It's going to be more in depth than anything you've probably taken in high school, and even if you took some like freshman level courses in college. Okay, and you can do this all socially distance from home. You know, we're all stuck in our houses under these uh, lockdown restrictions and, you know, some of your schools aren't open. Well, this is a great way to learn a new skill, maybe develop an alternate source of income and get that side gig starting to sort of free yourself up. So what I need you to do is go to photoiq.co and use the promo code FICTION. Okay, we're almost through September now. It's the it's the 18th. You have until the end of this month to get an additional 20% off on all of his courses. But that promo code fiction will get you 10% off plus the 20 he's already offering. You'll get 30% off as long as you buy the courses before the end of this month. And you can take them anytime that you want. Okay. Um, after this month, I'll still be able to get you 10% off, but that 20% is going to go by the wayside. He offers a 30 day money back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. So ditch those pathetic sunset pictures you guys have been taking. Go to photoiq.co, use promo code fiction and start learning how to take anything from camera basics, still life, food, landscapes, portraits black and white, action photos, everything that you could possibly imagine. He's got a course for it. It's going to be better than anything you could find on YouTube. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right, let's get on with the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, broadcasting once again deep behind enemy lines on a Thursday evening following the vice presidential debates, the biggest vice presidential debates in modern history, possibly ever, and... Whew, man, were they boring. <laughs> as boring as any other uh, vice presidential debate, or any presidential debate for that matter, that doesn't involve Donald Trump. It really, really makes you yearn for the days where Trump didn't have COVID and he was partaking in a lot of these debates, which it now looks like the next debate is off the table. We'll get into all of that today and some other things that have been on my mind. I got a few articles here that caught my eye and that are relevant to today's current events. So, I, you know, I don't have a lot to report on the personal front. You know, I'm just taking care of business down here in Mexico. The weather's been great. I haven't had rain in about 10 days or so. So that's always nice. Oh, wait, <laughs> I, for, I forgot. I actually do have a couple big announcements regarding the podcast and yours truly. Thanks to some of my minions out there, namely uh, Zach from Lorenzati Coffee, one of our dear, dear sponsors of the show who is currently undergoing a major surgery for uh, to have some hair removed from the top of his head. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's not getting a haircut, though he needs one. 
This was um, some other surgical procedure. I'm not. I don't have the details on it, but I know that he is uh, making a speedy recovery. He's expected to make a full recovery, and he's just bored out of his mind in the hospital. But that has not stopped him from putting the screws to Brian McWilliams and all those guys over at the Lions of Liberty who have been ducking my emails and, um, well, just emails. <laughs> I don't really make phone calls, but... I've I've been trying to advertise with them for a while, and I've been trying to get in touch with them for the last uh, month or so, maybe even longer than that. I'm not very persistent, though, so in their defense, I'm sure they get a lot of emails about stuff like that, but uh, Zach is a lot more persistent, as is uh, Justin. They've been very helpful in getting in contact with them and setting up an interview, so I'm going to be on, it's official now, the Lions of Liberty podcast um, two weeks from tomorrow, so the 23rd, Friday the 23rd, I think we're doing it at 6 p.m. I don't know if they do live podcasts or if they pre-record it and then they release it later, so I don't know when you guys will actually be able to see it. I, I feel like they might do a live thing for their supporting listeners, but don't quote me on that. Those guys have so many podcasts, I can't really keep them straight. But I will be on there, and I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Those guys are, uh, and they're hilarious. They're funny. I love their podcasts. So hopefully that will be uh, something you guys can all look forward to. And a special thanks, like I said, to uh, Lauren's Hotty Coffee, another plug, and uh, Justin for doing a lot of the legwork there. And I was able to get in touch with um, Brian McWilliams now, now that we've... Um, sort of been introduced, I guess you could say. I'll be running some ads on their podcast, I think, leading up to that episode where I'll be on. So hopefully their listeners will have a, a little better of, I, of an idea of where I'm coming from and everything like that. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And then I think, and there's a decent chance that I will be on the Death to Tyrants podcast in a month or so. Maybe a little longer. He's apparently very popular with guests, and he's booked through like Thanksgiving or something, which is fine with me. I can um, hang out down here in Mexico until he's ready to have me on. But that that would be cool too. I um, actually, you know, I've heard his advertising on other podcasts, but I've never actually checked it out. So that gives me some time to listen to some of his stuff and see what's going on. So things are happening over here at the Pedaling Fiction Studios. We're working on getting some merchandise together for sale, a Pedaling Fiction line of coffee at, from Lorenzotti Coffee. And I think, at least I think it's going to be a line of coffee. I got to talk to Zach about this because I, I haven't gotten clarification, but whether or not it's just going to be like um, the Pedaling Fiction logo on the label or if I'm going to get my own blend. And I think I, I think I deserve my own blend. What can I say? I've already got a name picked out. It's going to be the Peddling Fiction Liberty Blend, and it's going to taste like freedom. So <laughs> you guys can look forward to that. Once he gets out of the hospital, we'll, we'll start uh, putting that into full gear. And I think that's about all of the uh, announcements I have. Other than that, things are going great for me over here. Hopefully you guys have had a nice week and you're getting ready for the weekend. Monday is a holiday. We got Columbus Day, I think, on Monday, so it could be a long weekend for some. Anyway, I thought I'd start out just giving a, a couple thoughts on the the whole vice presidential debate. Not that it deserves that much attention because these debates, uh, in particular, the vice president ones, are really pretty fucking meaningless. Uh, this one takes on a little more significant since we're going to have the two oldest people ever running for president. It, like, or I don't know if running, but if one of them gets elected, they will be the oldest president to have ever held office. So they're both very old. Trump is still recovering from COVID. And I got some some new um, information on that front as to how deadly it is and everything just to uh, back up some of the positions I've taken in the past that some uh, some people may have taken issue with. So, you know, there is a chance that one of these vice presidents would have to assume control at, at some point during the next four years. And it had been a while since we've had like a, a debate with just like strictly 
politician-y, like lizard people, right? Um, this was a, a big change from anything that Donald Trump participates in. Even the the Democratic primaries, you at least had like Bernie Sanders. He's you know he's a little more off the cuff, and then you also had that Marianne Williamson chick who was a little nuts, and she was good for a laugh. And then you had Yang, who was like a little different. Um, th- these two with with Pence and Kamala Harris, it, it was really just a return to everything that you hate about watching debate like they're so fucking boring they're way too um scripted everything's memorized you know they do this thing where neither of them really answered any of the questions that they were asked like the vast majority of the time they have a a memorized answer and they're going to give it to you regardless of what the question is it's just the topic so if this topic comes up I'm going to say X, Y, and Z, no matter what the question is. So as soon as like a, the topic of the environment comes up, I'm going to say this. As soon as they start talking about the economy, I'm saying this. It doesn't matter what the question is. They're going to answer the question that they want to, or they're going to. Ta- they're not even answering questions. They're just going to babble on, uh, spout out political platitudes about what they want to to talk about. And then, you know, they get these, it's the same bullshit format where it's like two minute answers. And then like sometimes this lady, I forget the lady's name who was moderating, but you know, when the the candidates would insist on, and this is usually Pence, he's like, I need to respond to that. I need to respond to that. She's like, okay, fine. You get 15 seconds, which is just like, oh my God, if it was me out there, I'd just take the 15 seconds to tell the moderator to fuck off because that's about all you could do in 15 seconds. This, This is all just so ridiculous. Two minutes isn't even enough to talk intelligently on anything. But, you know, they do this thing where they waste like the first 45 seconds of it. You know, Pence will get up there and you just be like, well, first of all, it's a, a pleasure to be here tonight. And thank you for having me. And it's an honor to be able to speak to the American people and uh, Senator Harris. It's an honor to be up on stage here with you, too. And... If I can just speak directly to the American people, blah, 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 like, just fucking say something of substance. Why are you wasting half of your time giving these, like, uh, greetings and salutations and shit? It's because they really have nothing to say, and the, the less they can say, the better. And after about, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of their just robotic cadence and their canned answers... I don't know if anybody made it past that. Very few people did. I watched it just so that I could report back to it for you fine people. These are the the sacrifices I make for all you fiction peddlers out there. You're welcome. But it really was just an awful debate to watch. There was was nothing really entertaining about it. I mean, the, the biggest thing of the night was this fly that landed on Pence's head for like two minutes. That that seemed to be everyone's major takeaway from that. I, I don't even know if somebody actually won this debate. Like it, it just seems so meaningless and pointless. I mean, I get like there were definitely a couple of of issues that I thought Mike Pence did a good job of sort of cornering Kamala Harris on. And Kamala Harris is just terrible at debating. Mike Pence, like compared to Trump, is is masterful in terms of like the typical debate style. That, that you know that you expect to see from a politician but he was able to get you know Kamala to basically denounce a lot of the really lefty hardcore leftist positions that their their fringe like the Bernie Bros and all those people the people that love AOC all of these positions which was a similar strategy to what Trump was doing if you remember the first debate with Trump and Biden he's just like oh you just lost the left you just lost the far left <laughs> and every time he got Biden to denounce something so like on climate change you know he got uh, Kamala Harris to, to say that she wasn't going to ban fracking that's going to piss off the left she got uh he got her to basically walk back from like universal health care and socialized medicine and things like that and then she came off looking like sympathetic to the police and law and order and things like that so the the far left cannot be very happy with kamala the cop and some of the positions that she uh was forced to take Thanks to Mike Pence. And then he also cornered her on the whole pack the court thing, 
which, you know, it's one thing to not answer the moderator's question when you get two minutes to just sort of fucking bloviate about whatever the hell you want. And the moderator just kind of sits there and listens to it. But when a candidate asks you directly, like, hey, are you going to pack the court? America wants to know if you're going to pack the court. And you just sit there fucking dodging it for like 45 seconds. You talk about nothing. And you're like, oh, I'm ha-. she gave t- she looked terrible up there. She's like, oh, yeah, like I'm happy to to talk about packing the court. He's like, okay, so let's talk about it. Are you going to do it? And she would just fucking sit there and smirk or something. She came off looking really bad there. The the one thing she kept doing, which I know this plays well to a lot of women, I it does not play well to men. I, I can tell you that right now. When I see them do this, it's like I, I'm picturing, you know, somebody playing the world's tiniest fucking violin, like just get over it. Right. And that's this thing where anytime a woman gets interrupted, they make it seem like it's the biggest fucking deal in the world. They make a fucking federal case out of it. Like she'd be saying something and um, Pence would like start talking and she'd be like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm talking. I'm speaking right now. Okay, lady, calm down. Calm down. So you got interrupted. It's not the end of the world. Men get interrupted all the time too, ladies. Believe me, it fucking happens. If you don't, you know, go watch the first debate with Biden. He got interrupted a bunch. We just don't make a fucking federal case out of it. Like, get over it. You want equality? You want to be treated equally? You can't fucking get your panties in a bunch every time you get interrupted by somebody during a debate, okay? And and by the way, you're not speaking. You're lying your fucking ass off, okay? Everything she's saying is a fucking lie. So, I mean, that would be my response to it. Pence just kind of tucked tail and would be like, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, like, whatever. I'd be like, oh, you're not, you're not speaking. You're lying. You're, you're lying to the American people. But that just, it, it really fucking does not play well with men. I know it's like girl power and, oh, yeah, you tell them, like, every woman, you know, experiences this and, like, the boardroom and meetings and we, we get talked over all the time. It's like, I don't know. I've been into a lot of fucking meetings. I fucking hate meetings but I've had to sit through a lot of them. I've never once seen a woman like just talked over all the time. It's never happened. I've been going to meetings for the last fucking 14 years, like a couple times a day, never seen it. I mean, maybe I just happen to be in one of those companies that's super, you know, uh, progressive or whatever. I don't know. But uh, I just don't see it. And then like something like this happens where, you know, somebody talks over you in a debate and I mean, she did it like three or four, like the one time it's like, all right, but like every time, excuse me, excuse me, I'm speaking right now. I don't know. That shit doesn't play well with me. I know a ton of women out there that like it, but um, I don't know. Get over it. <laughs> um, anyway, I guess it's better than what Biden would do during when when Trump would interrupt him. <laughs> because Biden would just kind of look to the moderate, and be like, hey, are you going to help me out here? He did say that, will you just shut up, man? But other than that, you know, he, he came across looking weak. So I guess it makes her look look uh, a little more tough and combative or every, and everything like that. So I don't know. I, I just think that, that men are sick of fucking hearing this bullshit where it's like women get talked over all the time in meetings. I've, I've never once seen it in real life. I hear them talking about it all the time. Never actually seen it play out in in, uh, real life now that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen i'm sure it does but uh not the end of the world not the end of the world especially this day and age like i feel like i i know my mom would always tell me these kinds of stories too and how she had to stand up to all these men that were like dominating her industry but she was like literally the only woman at the company so i I think that kind of played into it a little bit and and she would always do this thing (laughs) I'll never forget this when like I would be I'd be talking either about like her or, or like somebody some other woman or something. I would say she and she'd be like, excuse me, she has a name. Mom, I can use like a fucking pronoun. Um it, you know, it's part of the English language. It wasn't meant like as a derogatory thing. I was just referring to you as she instead of using your full name or whatever. Uh, so maybe maybe I'm a little more uh, hypersensitive to that sort of thing. I don't know. Um, other than that, I, I don't know. Kamala Harris had like her best moments are like the facial expressions that she makes. You know, when she's not being awkward and and like laughing uncontrollably when she's not supposed to. She's good at like making um, 
ridiculous, like, oh, that's a ridiculous thing to say kind of face and just kind of like making Pence sound or look stupid without actually saying anything. And I know the the whole mainstream media was very quick to declare Kamala Harris the winner. So you gotta you gotta think that uh, she did pretty bad up there. If they're if that's the narrative they're going with, and they're all saying it in unison, chances are that uh, Pence won the night in the court of public opinion, and so they have to sort of uh, stand up for their girl. The only sort of weird compliment I heard the corporate press giving. Um, Mike Pence was like, oh, he was masterful. The way he never answered the question and he would redirect it on to Kamala Harris was like the best debate. You know, he's really good at this debate thing. And I, I got to say, like, how hard is it to not answer the question? I mean, the hard thing is to give answers to some of these questions. Like he got kind of beat up on the, the whole uh, trade war thing with China. And I, I tweeted out the fact that like, we just got the the worst trade deficit numbers we've had in like 14 years uh, under President Trump. So um, things like that, where he just, they'd ask him a direct question and he would just bullshit for two minutes and, and answer the question that was running around in his head or just spout out political platitudes. Apparently that's a masterful debate performance. I tend to disagree, but I, I think Pence had some, some better moments than like his best moments were better than, uh, Kamala's best moments. I couldn't believe that Kamala Harris had the fucking balls to bring up the whole Russia thing. And we're going to get into that in a little after this, uh, after I read this ad, because we've gotten some, some declassified documents now that are just unbelievably damaging to that whole narrative. And, you know, Pence is way too like fucking prim and proper to hammer her on this, which is a, a big missed opportunity. I mean, he brought it up, but you really got to hammer this stuff home. But so let, let's get into that in a second because it's going to tie well into the rest of the show. But first, let's take a second and thank our other sponsor for today's show. And that, of course, is Matt Octung. Raleigh's digital marketing dude. I'm very excited to have him on board as a sponsor. You guys all should be too because digital marketing is just a vital thing to know, have, and understand how to do this day and age. You can't run a business without having a digital footprint. And so for any of you listeners out there who have your own business or you're thinking about starting your own side gig, you know somebody who does, who's struggling to get the internet attention that they need, you got to have them get in touch with Matt Octung, Google Matt Raleigh's digital marketing dude. He comes right up. The, he'll be the first one in the Google search, and that's what he's going to do for your company. 75% of all views, clicks, and calls go to the first three businesses that show up when you Google something like, hey, is show me a restaurant near me, or where is like a, the best liquor store in Chicago or something like that. The, the first three guys that come up are the ones who get 75% of the views. So if you want your share of that 75% market share, and you want your business to start appearing at the top of these searches instead of on page six in the Google search, which I don't, I can't remember the last time I ever clicked through past the first page on a Google search. It's just like the first couple, like I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing that everybody else does. So if you want to appear in the top and you want people to actually see your business and frequent your business and click on your links, you got to Google Matt Raleigh's digital marketing dude. He's a digital marketing consultant and he doesn't just handle the Raleigh, North Carolina area. He can work with you no matter where you are. He's just based out of Raleigh, which is why he's Raleigh's digital marketing dude. And right now, for business owners and listeners of the Peddling Fiction podcast, he's offering free digital marketing consultations. So he'll teach you how to conquer your local search problems. He'll help you build reviews, optimize your social media, run, learn how to run Google and Facebook ads and convert leads into paying customers and clients. Th this digital marketing stuff, the internet, the, it's all very complicated, complex, and it's probably, if it's not your area of expertise, it's not worth your time to 
trying to mess around with it. Leave it to the professionals so you can focus on what you do well to and help grow your business. So Google Matt Raleigh's Digital Marketing Dude. Get your free consultation. I mean, it's free. You've got literally nothing to lose. Check him out on Google. Give him a call. Tell him I sent you. You'll get a free consultation and give your small business digital superpowers. Okay. Actually, you know what? Before we get into the whole Russia thing and and all of that, let's I, I, let me back up a little bit because they, you know, obviously they opened the debate up with COVID nineteen. Unlike the the Trump debate where they started with the Supreme Court, there, there's been some developments as far as the whole COVID nineteen narrative is concerned. And Kamala Harris, you know, tried to hit the, the Trump administration as like the biggest blunder in modern American politics or something, their handling of the coronavirus and this whole pandemic. I can't help but think that if I were to run through all of the statistics that we have right now, the death rate, the number of infected, the the, the age ranges of people that are dying from this, you know, things like that. If I were to go back in March and and tell them that these are the numbers we'd be looking at in October, that they would be ecstatic. I mean, remember how the doomsday scenarios they were talking about, millions of people dead, like best case scenario, two million people dead, and like it's going to have like a three, four percent fucking death rate and everything like that. Well, we've gotten some um, newly provided information from the CDC, your, your Center for Disease Control. The current best estimate of chances of dying if you get infected and your age is between 0 and 19, your probability of survival, so not your, chan- your chance of dying, probability of survival, 99.9997%. Your chances of uh, probability of survival for 20 to 49, 99.98. Now, these are, uh, this is on average, right? 50 to 69, 99.5%. And over the age of 70, it drops to 94.6. Now, those are on average. That is the average fatality rate. It doesn't take into account comorbidities or anything like that. In Illinois, 86% of the deaths have been over the age of 60. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Now, in light of these numbers, and this goes to the, the whole point that Joe Biden likes to fucking ramble about and Kamala Harris, you know, we're going to trust science. We believe in science. We're going to listen to science, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. So, um, over 7,000 scientists and doctors call for COVID herd immunity and an end to the lockdowns. This is from uh, Steve Watson via Summit News. Oh, now it says over 6,000. So it's either over 6,000 or 7,000. I don't know what the official number is. Have signed a petition against coronavirus lockdown measures urging that those not at risk, not in the risk category, the, the numbers I just went over, should be able to get on with their lives as normal and that the lockdown rules in both the U.S. and U.K. are causing irreparable damage. They, uh, those who have signed include professors from the world's leading universities, Oxford University professor Dr. Sunetra, Sunetra Gupta was one of the authors of the open letter that was sent with the petition, along with Harvard University Dr. Martin Koldorf and Stanford's Dr. J. Bhattacharya. All right. I'm probably butchering those names. The petition dubbed the Great Barrington Declaration after the town in Massachusetts, where it was written, has been signed by close to 73,000 members of the public at the time of writing, as well as 4,700 medical and public health scientists and around 3,200 medical practitioners. So you're going to listen to these scientists, Joe, these medical professionals, Kamala. How about these? Is this not the science that you're referring to? These aren't the authority figures that you're looking to for your cues for all your lockdown bullshit. I mean, 99.9997 a survival rate, and those people have to stay cooped up in their house, um, not go to school, not live their lives. 99.95 can't go out to work, can't you know, can't resume any any normalcy or anything like that. You just get to stay home and maybe visit your old, some old people. Get locked in the house with your parents and you end up getting the virus and giving it to them, and then they get sick, right? I mean, this is just the the approach to this is so is so ridiculous and and just lacking in nuance that you know we have to treat somebody who's in 
over the age of 70 with underlying conditions, the same way we treat treat somebody who's 18 or even just different parts of the same state. Like I mentioned, Illinois. There's a big difference between Chicago and Southern Illinois and things like that. Like this is just, ugh. This is the the worst aspect of government is just everything is a nail and they have a hammer and it's all one size fits all this blanketed uh, solution to things. It's just just ends up making everything so much worse. But I will wait. I will wait with bated breath to hear what Joe Biden has to say about this, about these scientists, about these doctors who there, there are thousands of them, apparently, that disagree with his mandate to, to lock everything down, that these lockdowns are actually detrimental. There's a lot of evidence that more people are dying from other things because of these lockdowns than, than anybody ever would have from the coronavirus. You know, and Joe Biden is and the, the Democrats are positioning themselves as, you know, I'm my day one, I'm going to make a national mask mandate and we're going to lock everything down. I can't imagine being more out of touch with the vast majority of Americans that are just fucking over this. They're just over it. They want to get on with their lives. And a national mask man. Yeah, that's a great idea for a, for an election uh, campaign. I'm going to make you wear something on your face until I, you say until I say you could take it off. And I mean, of course, the implication is if they can make you wear a mask, they can make you do all kinds of stuff. If you don't think that a Joe Biden presidency is going to mandate a vaccine, I, you got another thing coming. I mean, they asked Kamala Harris about it. She's like, well, if Trump comes up with it, I'm not going to take it. But if the scientists do, then yes, I'll be the first in line. She's like, oh, God. yeah, Trump's going to come up with a vaccine. Okay. But you, you know that if a Joe Biden presidency or any Democratic presidency comes up with this, they're, they're going to vaccinate you and they're going to force you to get a vaccination just like they're going to force you to wear a mask. Uh, not that the Trump you know, administration might do that as well. Trump is infamous for caving to pressure from the the left, from media, things like that. You know, he talks a big game, but when he gets down to brass tacks, he usually caves on his position. So, you know, he might come up with a way of mandating it. I, I It's definitely far less likely than it is under a Joe Biden administration, where it's just so obvious that Democrats want to control every aspect of your lives, everything. The, the only thing they don't want to control is whether or not you get an abortion. A- anything other than that, they're, they're hands-on. They, they'll microchip you. They'll vaccinate you. It, you won't be able to travel if you don't get a vaccination. You won't be able to get a job if you don't get a vaccination. You got to wear your mask everywhere. I just saw the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. He, he wants a uh, and I swear to God, this is a real fucking thing. It sounds like this would be something you'd see on Saturday Night Live or something like that. The governor's office says to wear a mask in between bites at a restaurant. Okay, in between bites. Now, I thought it was ridiculous when I went back to Chicago for a couple weeks before I couldn't take it anymore. And I went to a place and the new rule there was you have to put your mask on anytime the waitress or waiter comes to your table to like take your order, ask how everything is going. You know, hey, uh, how's everything going? Can I refill your water? Oh, you got to put your mask back on. Every time. The- now, I thought that was fucking stupid. Now, this, every in between bites of food, you're, you're taking your mask off and putting it on. Is there anything more fucking ridiculous than that? I, I mean, at this point, they just have to be fucking with us. I mean, imagine eating like a sandwich or like an entire... Okay, I'm from Chicago. Italian beef sandwich. Anybody had one of those? I was just thinking about this today. Italian beef, you know, big beef, dipped, hot peppers. It's a fucking sloppy sandwich. Your hands are getting messy. Your face is messy. You're going to take a bite of that and then put your mask back on and chew and then take your mask off and pick the sandwich up again and take a bite. The thing is going to be fucking filthy. Your mask is going to be filthy. Your uh, Inside, outside, your hands are all... Uh, this is just fucking nonsense absolute nonsense but this is what they want to do they want to control everything and i just can't see that being a winning issue who wants to live like that who wants to live like that when you know that the virus has a like if you're under the age of 70 you have a 99.5 percent chance of surviving it 99.5 and that's from the cdc your own government is admitting this They've also been doing a lot of testing 
at uh, college universities, okay? So they tested, I think somewhere around the, the number is 70,000 kids in college got tested. Of those 70,000, there were three hospitalizations and zero deaths. Three hospitalizations, zero deaths. Let's shut down the university. This is, this is where we're at right now. And all the indications are that, that Trump is recovering from this after you know he got out of the hospital, after I wrapped the last podcast on Monday. He's been back in the White House. He's taken all kinds of shit for everything that he's doing. Every time he takes off his mask, every time he goes anywhere, he's, um, he's getting lambasted by the, the press and everybody on the left. Okay. And then he does this thing where he comes out and he's like, yeah, don't let COVID control your life. Don't be afraid of it. You know, we can we can beat this thing. We've got great medicine and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so now you have everybody else. The Of course, the corporate press has to take the opposite position of that and be like, hey, live in fear. Make sure you fear for your lives. Coronavirus. Ah, blah, blah, blah. We got, everybody wear a mask. Everybody lock down. Don't do anything. Don't live your life. And I just can't imagine that being a winning position. Maybe I am just really out of touch on this one, but I'm looking around. I see a lot of people out here in Mexico that are just living their lives. We'll follow your mask protocol when you, you know, we're forced to or whatever, but we're not going to let something with a 99.9997 chance of survival if you're under the age of 20 and 99.95 if you're under the age of 70 control our lives. I mean, if a fat slob 74-year-old can can beat this thing in a couple of days, what does that mean for the rest of us, right? Like, why, why are we shutting everybody's life down, throwing millions of people out of work, no savings, no nothing, and, and forcing them to get cooped up, be cooped up in their house and live like vegetables? For what? How nice would it have been if Donald Trump came out because he has baited the press into taking what I think is a very unpopular position, which is like live a life of fear. Anytime that there is a a 0.05% chance of death, you better let the government fucking take control of everything, lock you down. And, um, until they say it's, it's uh, safe to come out of your house, but goddamn, wouldn't it have been nice if he came out at the beginning and was like, Mr. Pro-Virus, we're going to take this super seriously. You got to wear a mask and a helmet over your face. And we're going to lock down until further notice. And you can't go outside. We're going to go. Uh, we're going to have shifts when you could go to the grocery store. And, you know, social distancing. And, and the cops are going to arrest you if you violate all this stuff. And, man, would that have been great. Because then... Of course, the corporate press, the mainstream media, Hollywood, blue checkmark Twitter, and more than half of America, like all all of these lemmings that take their cues from those people, would be revolting, would be on the right side of this just because they're anti-whatever Trump is for. And then Trump can capitulate to them like he always does on these things and be like, okay, you know what? You guys are right. We're not going to lock everything down. And we all could have gone back to our normal lives months ago. But one thing that this virus is going to do, the fact that Trump has been infected, it looks like they're canceling the the next debate that was scheduled for the 15th. Not because he's too sick to participate, but the commission, the uh, nonpartisan commission on presidential debates decided that they were going to change the format for this debate in light of Trump getting uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus, and they were going to make it a virtual debate, you know, something that takes place over Zoom or whatever. And Trump wasn't having any of that. He said he wasn't going to participate in a, a debate unless it was in person. And then the Biden campaign came out and suggested that they delay it until October 22nd, which I think was already the date for the third and final presidential debate. So I think they're just like, all right, we'll just do it on this date instead. Trump countered to that, agreeing that the debate could be on the 22nd, but only if it's face to face. And then he wants another debate after that to take place on October 29th, just before the election. Biden's advisors rejected that. They don't want to have a debate that close to uh, the election, I guess, that late in the campaign. I don't know what the rationale for that is, and I don't know if they've decided on anything. But this is 
undoubtedly bad for Trump, as I talked about on the last episode. He needs all the debate time that he can get because he really has to get Biden on the ropes and and put him down for the count, which was something he was not able to do the first time around. And that in and of itself is a, a small victory for Joe Biden. And even though Trump came out looking better than Joe Biden, in my opinion, that first debate, he didn't look great. He didn't look invincible or he didn't live up to the expectations. And so he needs he needs all three of these debates if he's going to perform like he did that first time. And he definitely needs them to be face to face. And Biden is going to duck this like Floyd Mayweather ducked Pacquiao for like eight years until he was way past his prime. This is um, this is the, the best excuse that Biden could get. You know, he thought, you know, he had the initial thing where it's like, oh, coronavirus, it might be too dangerous to debate. Well, now Trump has the coronavirus, and that's all you need to stay away from him because, hey, he's only got a 94.9% chance of surviving if he gets it. So this is just way too dangerous. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, let's take a quick second and thank our other sponsor for today's show. Last but not least, you know him as Lorenzotti Coffee. Guys, if you like premium Italian coffee, but you hate going to these corporate, poorly managed, poorly prepared coffee houses, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, things like that, especially now where you got to put on a mask on and stand in a socially distanced line, you're going to love Lorenzotti coffee. They deliver premium Italian coffee and coffee brewing supplies right to your door. It's a small business that was started by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who came together over their love of coffee and their desire to bring that small, independent coffee house feel back here across the pond to the United States. So what I want you to do is go to Lorenzotti.coffee and use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your order. Even if you're not a coffee drinker yourself, I'm sure you know someone who does, and these tins are beautiful. They'd make a great portion of a gift basket or something like that if you wanted to send somebody that you care about a package. Go to Lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION, and you'll get 10% off. All right, so I want to close out the show talking about a couple of topics that are somewhat related that have been in the news recently. They've also been coming up. One of the topics has been coming up in the debates, both the the Biden debate, which I think Trump had to bring it up, and this uh, vice presidential debate where uh, Kamala Harris brought this up, this whole Russia collusion thing. And literally a couple days ago, we got all of this um, newly declassified information, which is it should be the nail in the coffin for everybody involved in this, because we got the the former director of the CIA, John Brennan, and you may remember him from this whole Russia collusion thing. He was out there, you know, saying that Trump was going to be like the whole Trump family was going to be and he expected them to be indicted and Trump's guilty of treason and all of this stuff. Well, they released his personal notes. Okay, that they, they came out that in the Brennan's notes. He let Barack Obama know that Hillary Clinton was planning to create a Russia hoax to distract from the fact that her emails had just been dumped by WikiLeaks. This was her whole plan. Her whole plan was to create this whole bullshit story that Donald Trump was a a Russian puppet, a Putin puppet. He's in Putin's pocket, and that was going to distract from the whole email scandal. And this is now documented in his notes that not only did he know about it and that it was Hillary Clinton's plan all along to create this whole bullshit thing, but he also briefed Barack Obama on it. So Barack Obama knew about it. The the whole spying apparatus that was spying on the Trump campaign even before he won the election and then after the election and the whole deep state coup. I mean, all of it, it it's all it was all planned and we cut we already knew this, right? We just didn't have the declassified evidence to prove it, but it was it was just so obvious that this is all bullshit last like long time ago but they ran with this story the mainstream media ran with it for years basically took out the whole the, the entire Trump presidency right the first 3 years of his presidency was clouded in this and this has been a topic that's come up in the 
um, presidential debates where they talk about the peaceful transition of power. And Trump brought it up. He's like, hey, listen, you had a deep state coup on me. You tried to steal the election from me. You spent the last three years trying to undermine my presidency. You never transitioned power over to me. You had all of these operatives, these unelected bureaucrats undermining me every step of the way. And it was all part of the plan. And they've got, we've got these guys dead to rights right now. All of these guys that tried to overthrow a duly elected president, you know, you had a deep state coup, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, former secretary of state, presidential candidate, you know, creating a fake dossier, lying to the FISA courts, lying to the American people, lying to Congress, breaking thousands of laws. And I guarantee you, none of them will face any repercussions of this whatsoever. Because you see, the government has no rules. There are no laws when it comes to government. They operate above the law. All the laws that they impose on us, they get to operate outside of that. They always carve out exceptions for themselves, be it the Affordable Care Act, where they get this other plan that they don't have to be on it, or insider trading rules, or anything else. There, there are no repercussions for their criminal behavior, even when they break their own rules that they haven't exempted themselves from. Lying to Congress and things like that. They, don't, they can go out there. Uh, Tapper gets up there, says there's no, uh, there's no bulk NSA data collecting, uh, collection program. Well, there was just a ruling. I mean, it turns out that that was complete bullshit. And we just had a ruling um, a couple, maybe a week or so ago by a panel of judges on an appeals court that not only did the NSA bulk data collection exist, but it was illegal. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But that was the whole thing that Edward Snowden exposed, that he's been in hiding somewhere. We think in Russia, maybe we don't know for sure, right? He's been in hiding for years over this. But none of, none of these actors, none of these bad actors are going to go to jail for lying us into, you know, for spying on the American people, for lying to the American people, for lying to Congress. Things that they put everyday average American citizens in, uh, people from the Trump campaign. Some of them are rotting in jail cells right now for lying to Congress. And yet when it comes to the government, they get to operate above the law. None of them are going to go to jail for lying us into war, killing millions of people. They are the judges of their own behavior. So, of course, of course, they always get a pass. If you or I were to do something, one one millionth of what they get away with, they lock us up and throw away the key. <laughs> oh, you, you lied to Congress. You lied to the FBI. Oh, you're, you're facing 20 years now. I mean, you don't even have to break a law. They'll just make you a political prisoner like Edward Snowden. I mean, there, there's the federal uh, surveillance program, this warrantless wiretapping. It's been ruled illegal by other judges over the years. But now we got this big ruling that, you know, this was just this was more than one fringe judge or whatever. This was a whole group of judges. And you, you can say, okay, that's kind of a big deal on the one hand. You know, I'm sure Edward Snowden, wherever he is, is pretty happy about that. But on the other hand, what, what's going to change? What's going to come of it? None of these guys are going to do any time. None of them are going to be reprimanded or anything. The media is completely silent on all of this. I wouldn't be surprised if nobody listening, well, maybe not my listeners because you're more in tune with this stuff, but if you were to ask the average American, you know, what, what, what was just released with the, uh, with the whole Brennan Notes thing and the, the Russia collusion, the Russia hoax bullshit, if they knew anything about that, absolutely not, media silence. If they knew anything about the NSA bulk data collection being ruled 100% illegal by an appeals court, I guarantee you they haven't heard anything about that. You have Julian Assange, who's, who's uh, rotting away somewhere. In a, you know, he was in an embassy for years, basically trapped in an embassy, and now he's in prison somewhere on trial, waiting uh, on trial for extradition back to the U.S. for the for the WikiLeaks dumps. Okay, I mean, the, the, some of the most important revelations and information we have gotten on government corruption and all of the shady shit they're doing have come from these WikiLeaks dumps. Okay, it started out with the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, all the records on that, you know, the weapons of mass destruction, the torture going on at Guantanamo Bay, all of that stuff. 
right? And then, of course, he had the the big uh, Hillary Clinton and Podesta email dumps, and that's really what what got him into trouble, right? Because you you fucked with the Clintons now, you fucked with the left. Before that, when it was just uh, you know he was going after the George Bush campaign or whatever presidency. Oh, then, then they were all for it. You know, this guy's a hero. You know, free speech, freedom of the press. We need all of that. But once it gets turned around on the Hillary Clintons and the Democrats, ooh, no, look out, boy. Look out. Now they're coming for you. And they're going to get you. They're going to charge you under the Espionage Act, just like they did with Edward Snowden. And you didn't break any law. Like, none of these guys broke any laws. These people are fucking heroes. They should be pardoned. There should be no charges brought against these people. All of these acts, the Patriot Act, the Espionage Act, they're all fucking being misused. They're all, the Patriot Act is just complete bullshit. But none of this stuff should apply to what they did. I mean, imagine the balls that they have, the balls of your government. To get caught spying on the American people and to charge the person who exposes that whole thing with espionage, with spying, with the spying act, right? This is all fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely fucking Orwellian. You bust them for spying and they charge you for spying and want to throw you in a cage for the rest of your life? Unbelievable. And there should be riots in the streets until until they are pardoned. Well, not riots. Riots is a poor choice of words. There should be protests. You should be marching on Washington. There should be protests in the streets until these guys are, are totally fucking acquitted of everything. They are pardoned and they can come back to the, to the U.S. And, and live their lives and not live in fear for what our corrupt empire is going to do to them. The, the way that they are treating these whistleblowers, right? The, the government loves to, you know, um, promote whistleblowing as long as you're blowing the whistle on a corrupt private company, a bank, you know, somebody doing insider trading, you get a, a portion of all the, the money that they uncover or whatever like that. You blow the whistle on the government, look out. Look out, you're going to be a political prisoner. They are going to throw you in a fucking cage once they get their hands on you. You'll never get a trial. There's no due process. There's no nothing. You're not going to get a jury of your peers. You're going to go in front of a judge who's part of this whole government apparatus, who has a vest. Like These judges, they know where their, their bread is buttered. Yeah, sure, they can rule in the abstract that the NSA program was illegal, but they're not going to act on that. And if you put Edward Snowden in front of them, they'll, they'll make sure that you get the judge that's going to lock him up and throw away the key. Just like, they do, just like they're going to do with Assange if he ever gets extradited. And just like they do with all these people that, you know, um, like the, the Irwin Schiffs of the world who are tax protesters, who are conscientious objectors to paying income tax, who um, legitimately believe that the government is collecting income tax illegally. Well, they'll railroad you in their court system. You won't get a fair trial and you'll spend, you'll rot in prison. You'll spend the, the remaining years of your life. I mean, Irwin Schiff, the last time he went to prison, he was like, 80 and they gave him a 13 year sentence. This is a nonviolent criminal who hadn't done anything illegal. He he actually, you know, he wasn't oh, man, there's so many of these uh, stories coming up. I was just reminded that John McAfee was just arrested in Spain and he's awaiting extradition for tax evasion. Now, he actively was evading taxes, which I think again, hero, but he was like actively circumventing and, and trying to evade paying taxes. The Irwin Schiffs of the world, he told the government exactly what he was doing. He said, like, listen, um, this is my tax return. I'm reporting zero income because, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like according to your tax code that I have any income and here's why and here's my argument. I mean, worst case scenario, you could say that he is wrong, that he was mistaken in her, his interpretation of the tax code and the laws around it, but that's not criminal. You don't throw somebody in a fucking cage for that unless you're the government and you want to make a, a, an example out of them. He, he's a political prisoner. And believe me, if they ever get their hands on Snowden or Assange, that's exactly what they're going to do to that do with them is make an example, show the rest of us that you better not 
uncover some government corruption. You better not show the American people what we're really up to, or we will do this to you, and your life will be over. And let that be a lesson to anybody else that's thinking about digging into some corruption, uncovering some criminal government malfeasance or whatever. Look at what we did to Snowden. Look at what happened to Assange. And you better fucking check yourself. But this is what they do to the average American, to the whistleblowers that they they claim that they want. You know, every politician will get up there and, and talk about how they're going to root out corruption and they're going to get rid of waste, fraud, and abuse. Well, here are some guys... Here's Edward Snowden, corruption, waste, fraud, and abuse. You know, WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, look at all this waste, fraud, and abuse. Here it is. Lay it out for him. Here's evidence of a deep state coup, of a plot to create a a completely 100% fabricated Russian hoax to unseat and undermine a duly elected president. Not interested. Nobody's interested in it. The media isn't covering any of this. The government's not interested in it. And anybody that brings it to their attention risks going to prison for the rest of their life. Rotting. I mean, Edward Snowden had a great job going for him. He was uh, wherever the NSA stationed in Hawaii down there you're making a lot of money you're in fucking Hawaii you got a girl you got money you're in like one of the nicest places I mean I've never been to Hawaii but I hear good things he didn't have to to expose all this ruin his life spend the rest of his days in hiding in fear for his life these guys are patriots we should be so much more up in arms over how they are being treated by the government than any of this Black Lives Matter protests, any of the, you know, anything that we really fucking, you see people protesting about. This is what should get us into the streets. This is such a bigger threat to our liberty, to our way of life than anything else going on in the world. The, the U.S. government, is, it's the largest, most powerful government on the face of the earth. They have this, the largest spying apparatus. They've got militarized police forces everywhere. And now look, what, well, look at what they're doing, right? With this whole, ch- all these charges under these a- the Espionage Act that they come up with, the Patriot Act, this is all fucking bullshit. And they would never charge like a, a press outlet, you know, like a news outlet, with what they're charging Snowden or Julian Assange in particular, right? Julian Assange, all he did was release information to the public, just like they would do on Fox News or just like they would do at the New York Times, right? When they, when they released uh, Trump's tax returns. That's all he did. He got information and he said, here, here, here are some emails I got. Here's like some, uh, some documents about the Iraq and Afghanistan war. This is a violation of the freedom of the press, First Amendment. You know, they're they're railroading these guys in fucking bullshit rigged court systems. This shows you the dynamic between the American people and the federal government and the fact that some people rule and others are ruled. They are in direct violation of the rights that they were allegedly brought into existence to protect. This is precisely what needs to be protected. Free speech, freedom of the press. I mean, it's not like those things exist to protect these feel-good, happy stories about how our all of our representatives in Washington are so great and how you know wonderful uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden and George Bush are. No, no. That's not what freedom of the press is all about. The press is not supposed to be slobbering all over Barack Obama. The press is supposed to be holding their feet to the fire. And that's why we have the freedom of the press. That's why, you know, we have all these whistleblower protections. It just so happens that the ones that are supposed to be protecting the whistleblowers are the ones who are, uh, you know, getting the whistle blown on them. And they don't seem to like that very much. They don't like being exposed, that curtain being pulled back to reveal the man behind it. The reason these protections exist is to protect these exact people, the Edward Snowdens of the world, the Julian Assange, and anyone else that speaks out, anyone else that reports the truth, uncovers government corruption, government crimes, crimes against the American people, crimes against humanity. This is what it was all supposed to be about. And all of a sudden, you know, this whole thing gets turned on its head because we have we have the the corporate press right who is clearly in bed for one political party who will do their bidding no matter how bad things get and then you have so you have the the only other outlet which is like 
kind of contrarian would be Fox News in, in the in sort of the the mainstream corporate press arena, but they're clearly in bed for the other political party. And you do have the internet where you get all these other news outlets and you can do, you know, WikiLeaks dumps and things like that. But now you've got the the big tech firms that are censoring people like that, that are kicking them off the platform, that are doing the the government's bidding for them, that are stopping the whistleblowers before they can blow the whistle. And and this is another really dangerous relationship where you you know everyone talks about oh public and private who could be against that when you know the government works in conjunction with all these private no no this is fucking terrible idea a terrible idea this is what's going to happen youtube is going to censor people for going against the world health organization for talking about the the covid19 numbers that i gave you earlier on in the show they'll deplatform me they'll deplatform the julian assanges of the world the edward snowdens the the qanon you know they just had the that whole fucking farce of a uh, i don't even know what you call it in in congress to uh, denounce qanon and all any other radical conspiracy theorists or something i mean like that's me so I, I, you know, I fall under that blanket now. I guess they can come after me if they ever decide to to make that into legislation and not just some fucking symbolic uh, fucking waste of time. This is very scary now because there there is no real outlet left to to take these people down. I mean, if you can if you can get caught with your like red handed, like Hillary Clinton has been caught now, and nothing comes of it. And the people that expose this, the Julian Assange's of the world, the Edward Snowdens, they have to go into hiding so that the, the, the Hillary Clintons of the world don't catch them and throw them in a fucking cage. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, she suicides you. What are we doing here? Why, like, where are we going to go with this? Because if these out-of-control, unaccountable bureaucracies, right, the NSA, CIA, the, the deep state, all of these government actors can do what they did to somebody like Donald Trump. Not only is he a billionaire, he was the president of the United States, commander-in-chief, and look what they did to him. Look what they did to the people that were in his circle. Some of them are rotting in prison right now. Imagine what they can do to a peon like you. And this is why we can't just sit back and and let them get away with these things. Somebody has to hold these people accountable. And I don't know how you do that given their, you know, corrupt court system and the fact that they have they have absolute power over everything and they only answer to themselves. That's why this government, this idea of a limited government is absurd. It, It fails on every level. But this is some pretty scary stuff, and they've got the cover of, they've got the press giving them shade, and you know, most American people, they aren't interested in this stuff anymore, if they ever were interested in it. And then, you know, the, the three big tech firms, Google, you know, Facebook, Twitter, they're all, all more happy, all the happier to, you know, uh, censor contrarian, um, contrarian voices, um, alternative narratives, censor things like WikiLeaks, whistleblowers, anything that's going to counter the government's narrative, who they are clearly in bed with, the government gives them, they scratch their back and, and uh, they scratch the, the government's back for them. As long as uh, the government can keep, shield them from competition and things like that, they're, they're more than happy to do this for them. I mean, it's no wonder so many people are, are walking around with, with these masks on, uh, fearing for their lives, because that's the, that's the narrative, the only narrative they get running in their circles. It's all that they hear is the coronavirus is going to be the death of you. And if they can do that with the coronavirus and they can force you to wear a mask, they can force you to do anything and they can they can uh, silence alternative opinions, alternative facts, 7000 scientists, you know, th- those aren't the scientists that they're going to listen to. Those aren't the ones that they're going to promote. So I, I don't know where we go from here. The only chance that we have is numbers. We have to get more people aware of what's going on and not so um, caught up in the the political theater. You know, a fly landed on on Pence's head and Trump's a white supremacist. All this crap that doesn't matter. It doesn't move the needle one iota. And while they've got you guys focusing on uh, racism and uh, intersectionality and all this other crap that doesn't matter. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're getting away with. Look what happens to the people that run afoul 
of our federal government. And you can sit back and think, well, you know, I'm not running a fall. I got my mask on and I'm going to obey. You know, look how easy it is to run a foul of them now. And every, every year that passes, every day that passes, more and more rules and, le- le- uh, rules and regulations get passed. It becomes easier and easier to run afoul of the world's largest government. Just about everything that you do uh, during the course of a day, you're guilty of breaking at least one law that they can get you for. And um, even if they can't get you for a law, they'll, they'll, um, they'll get you for something that's not even illegal. And... <laughs> and uh, railroad you in their court system. So this is a very, very precarious situation we find ourselves in, considering the lies that we tell ourselves, you know, that they work for us and they represent us and all of that nonsense. I don't understand how people can still believe that, but they do. And we need to wake up a lot more people to the fact that this is, this is the real dynamic here. The Edward Snowden, the Julian Assange, the, uh, the John McAfee's, This is what happens. This is how they treat you. This is what they think of you. And the idea that you'd want these people running any aspect of your life, controlling any aspect of your life, in charge of your health care, in charge of anything that Bernie Sanders rails about is beyond me. They don't care about you. They're more than happy to silence you by any means necessary. I'm going to leave it there for today, guys, on a high note. Try to enjoy your weekend. Don't forget to support our sponsors. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Check out the YouTube channel. Justin's been putting out a lot of clips. He's starting to get into some of the the older episodes, so there might be things floating around there that you haven't heard of yet. So make sure you uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and support the show if you can by going to PedalingFictionPodcast.com. You can donate from there. Thank you all so very much for listening. I love each and every one of you guys. And if you guys can do all that for me i will be back on monday with a brand new episode for you and until then you guys know the drill just keep on peddling that so-called fiction while you still can peace